Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's a game night for the Utah Jazz. Yes, the Jazz are in action tonight against the Indiana Pacers, who are going back-to-back. They lost in Denver last night, 101-98. Will Barton got him for 30. Jokic was out. This was a game he had to serve the suspension for running, uh, running through Morris and blowing him up in retaliation. The Pacers had everything set for him and still couldn't get it done, and now they're going back-to-back against the Jazz. This needs to be another win for your Utah Jazz. All right, we will get to that coming up. We've got Joe Ingles on the way here in the 6 a.m. hour, but we're going to do a little youth football right now. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman with PK and I right here on the Zone Sports Network. Nick, good morning. Good morning. So, Nick, is that about as much fun as an offensive lineman can have, running for 441 yards, pancaking guys, blowing guys up, watch your teammates run into the end zone? Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun for sure. I mean, you know, going out there and doing our job. Um, but, you know, uh, we got to make sure that we keep focused and, you know, don't soak in it too much and, uh, you know, start preparing for Arizona. Your guy's been in this conference living in the L.A. area, so you know a lot about it. Do you think right now you're playing as well as any team in the conference is playing? Uh, I do believe so. I, I believe we're playing as well as any team in the country right now with how we're playing, and I think that uh, if we continue to do our job, good things will happen, and uh, that's, that's what we need to continue to do. So it's been a good run here. There have been a lot of good performances and a lot of good results. Uh, looking back, though, can you explain the Oregon State thing? Because you're right, you're playing at a really high level now, and obviously that night you weren't. Uh, like I said, you know, you can't focus on the past. Uh, you know, we look forward to hopefully seeing them again in uh, December. And, uh, you know, maybe it's them, maybe it's Oregon, maybe it's Washington State. It's a tight race up there. And, um, you know, we still got to focus on what we got going down here to get to that point. So we need to make sure that we take care of Arizona first. Were you surprised at all on how easy it was against Stanford? Three guys running for 100 yards. You blow them out by 45 points. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they're, they're a good program. They're, they pride themselves on being physical, and uh, that's what we pride ourselves on doing. And uh, we just went out there and did it. And, uh, you know, the end result happened. And, um, yeah. So it's a little thing. It's kind of a footnote. But the Utes won the toss, and Kyle often puts the – he'll defer, which means the defense is going out on the field usually. And – he took the ball and put the offense out on the field. Did that mean anything a little special to you that he had confidence in the offense and gave him the ball right away? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can see that in the recent games as well. He has a lot of confidence in our offense and what we're doing and that we're going to start fast out the gate and go score and, you know, get things rolling. So it's a, it's a great thing. He, he has even said it uh, prior to the game, you know, and, you know, it's just it's a good feeling knowing that uh, uh, Coach Witt has, you know, great respect for his uh, offense now. Because, I mean, he is a you know, great coach, offense and defense, but he loves defense. He's a defensive guy. And, um, you know, that's how it's been for years. But I think he sees, uh, you know, what we're doing on offense, and he definitely has given us the opportunity to, you know, take advantage of that. When the team plays on a Friday night and wins, then how fun is it to have Saturday off? Oh, it was amazing. I got to freaking sleep. <laughs> I, I I had a uh, like a hundred and one degree fever during the game, so like I was knocked out Saturday. <laughs> what time do you guys get back in those situations like that and those late games on the road? 
Shoot, we got. I probably didn't fall asleep till about five thirty in the morning. Yeah, brother. Six. So when you watch the film, are they? Well, first off, are you gonna, when you win like that? Do you watch as much film? And if so, are the coaches still going to find mistakes? Because I'd have to look it up. But you're averaging seven, eight, nine yards a carry. I mean, the numbers were massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were still going to go in and watch film and you know correct our mistakes and you know look forward to getting twenty two percent better. And I mean, we went in today. And, you know, there are some minor things, uh, not a lot of things, but there were some minor things and things we can clean up and, you know, plays that went for long distances and everything else. You know, there's still, you know, uh, like maybe it's an improper step, maybe it's whatever. You know, the end result may have been a pancake or a seal block for a touchdown, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you address everything. So, um, you know, the game's a game of football. The football is um, inches and in seconds. So, you know, we've got to make sure every uh, step and movement is not wasted. From a media slash fan standpoint, which is what I am, I'm not a player, obviously. For me, the college football season just blows by so fast. And here we are already in November. You got three games left, last road game, I think, and all that. From the player perspective, how fast, if it is even fa- fast, does the season go by? Uh, it goes by ridiculously fast. Season is the fastest time of the year. Uh, winter conditioning is probably one of the longest. Uh, same thing with the summer. And, um, you know, we get into a routine. And, um, you know, we wake up sometimes at like 6.30 in the morning and, you know, get back home probably about 7, 8 o'clock. So your days are filled. And, you know, you fall back asleep and then boom, it's the next day. And, you know, that kind of happens. And, I mean, just a second ago, I mean – you know, it was winter conditioning, and all of a sudden it's season, and now season's like 70, 80% done, 90% done. And, um, yeah, it just goes by really quick. You don't really, uh, you know, realize it till after, and that's one thing they always tell us here ever since my freshman year and ever, like every freshman is, you know, cherish every moment because it goes by and goes by. So some of the moments to cherish. There were a couple in the game. Uh, Pledger breaking off a 96-yard touchdown run. You've told us before that you come to the line of scrimmage. Actually, they had a shot of you during the game, and I saw you doing it. Uh, and you're you're looking not just at you know the D line and the linebackers, but you're checking the secondary. And that shot in the game, you were doing that. Did you know that Pledger was going to have a chance to break a big one on that 96-yard touchdown run, or did that surprise you a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the way the box was fitting up and everything. Uh... You know, it was a good box, and we knew we were going to be handed up well. And, um, you know, we were looking in the front side, and uh, that safety was the only one sitting there. I said, all right, well, if this safety don't make the play, then it's, it's going to go. And if they make the play, it's going to be about a 10 to 12-yard gain. And, you know, TJ did a great job getting that first 10 to 12 yards and, you know, stiff-arming that safety and making a miss. And, you know, that's, that's the ultimate difference because um, in the past game, it's a little easier to see uh, pre-snap. Uh, because, you know, you, you'll have somebody who's lower or who's not in the area, and, uh, you know, the route structure's going that way. Uh, but in the run game, it's more, okay, everyone in the box is taken care of. Who's the free hitter? Because there's always going to be a free hitter, whether that's a safety in the open field or a linebacker in the goal line situation. And um, at that point, it's the running back's one-on-one job to take care of that. And if the running back takes care of it, it's going to happen exactly like TJ's run happens. 
You talk of how when you're a freshman, you're told by the upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, to cherish this because it does go by fast. And you wonder if you're a freshman and you seem like three or four or five years down the road seems forever. And then when you get there and you look back, you realize it's not forever. It was almost like metaphorically overnight. At what point did you, along the timeline, realize, hey, this thing does really go by fast? Uh... Dude, I probably realized that probably like my wrestler, sophomore wrestler junior, uh, back in like 19, uh, especially 19, because I came in with a lot of older boys, like Lo Palamaka, Loco Otafe, uh, Lonnie, um, shit, I was here with Lowell and Swift, and, you know, by about 2019, all my, you know, original friends were gone. Yeah. It was an entire new team, an entire new d- dynamic, like just the type of people who were around. I was like, dang, man. Like, <laughs> I got in here, and I was looking at them like, oh, man, y'all are some old heads. Like, y'all are the last of your kind. And about two, three years later, I'm like, hold on. I'm the old head now. <laughs> and now, especially because I look at them out, and, you know, a lot of my boys who came in with me, class of 17, John Pennacini, Marquise Blair, um, you know, people like that. And, you know, they're, they're gone. They've been playing. Jalen Johnson. There's just, yeah, I've seen a lot of people come and go. And, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an old guy now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that would uh, maybe give you a little perspective of what coaches are thinking. You know, Kyle's been there so long. He was head coach for guys who are 35, pushing 40. He's assistant coach, and there are guys who played for him who are 45 or pushing 50. Yeah, no, that's. That's freaking insane. I mean, everyone knows Coach Witt's been at it for a long time. There's definitely a bunch of other guys who've been at it for a long time, too. And, you know, I mean, I for sure know they, they like, they know they've been around for a while. The guys you just mentioned, Penasini and uh, who was it? I already forgot. Uh, Jalen Johnson oh, and Blair. All those guys, as you say, they're NFL guys. Uh, with last year being a non-counting year as far as the eligibility clock, uh, uh, what are your thoughts as far as you potentially moving on to the NFL? Uh, there's a good there's a good chance, you know, but uh, I I I don't want to look forward. To the future, I need to take care of business now. If I take care of business now, you know it's going to be good for me, and I'll have the opportunity to go. And if I, you know, get lost and you know the headlights and keep looking forward, then I'm going to be, you know, not stuck in a bad way, but you know, just like not have that ability to go there. So I know ultimately I got to get my job handled like here before I even think about doing anything else. Well. You guys are huge favorites over Arizona, but how do you make sure guys don't look past Arizona to a huge game with Oregon because Jacksonville just beat Buffalo? I mean, if something like that can happen, then anything can happen in a football game. How do you make sure the guys aren't looking ahead? You're a team leader and probably have to set that tone. Uh, just simple. It's just leading by example and, you know, working. Everyone's out here working. Everyone's, you know, watching film already, watching film on Arizona, getting ahead. Um that's the main thing, um, especially for leaders, is, you know, uh, like me, Devin Lloyd, Nephi, Cam, Covey, Mika, we're all, you know, going to take it serious because it is a one and all week every single week. So, you know, we need to come into the building and watch the film we need to watch. And on top of that, 
you know, we need to um, go ahead and get out on the field, go in the weight room and, you know, grind like it's fall camp. And uh, we continue to do that, then, you know, everyone else will follow along. Mostly night games, but this is going to be a noon start. What are your thoughts about that? Say again? Mostly, you play mostly night games, but this is going to be a noon start in Tucson. What do you think about that? I love it. You're going to get to wake up and get out there and get going. That'll be fun for sure. Yeah, you get home and be asleep before 530 in the morning, Yeah, really, too. that's so a got, big one. You got that going for you. Yeah, no, the formula is like you, on average, when you start the game, it's about eight to nine hours after you start is when you'll be in bed. Nick, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. Congrats on the win against Stanford, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. You guys stay safe. There's Nick Ford. When we come back, we're talking RSL. Dramatic run to the playoffs. Dramatic goal with 15 seconds left. RSL interim coach Pablo Mastroni, who went to the same high school, Thunderbird High as PK. He's a little younger. Uh, the Arizona guys will have their memories, and RSL fans will get to your memories next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Real Salt Lake's interim head coach, Pablo Mastroni. He joins us right now. On the Smart Rain guest line, Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Pablo, good morning. Morning, DJ. PK is here for a little Thunderbird High reminiscing. You guys are taking over the world, (laughs) and you have Demir to thank for it because he has extended the season. Have you gotten over that? When does the adrenaline high end? I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, yeah, recovering from the lack of sleep from a couple (laughs) nights ago. It's been a, it's been a fun uh, moment to kind of replay and check out all the different angles and, um, yeah, crazy times. So as I watch your team the last month, Pablo, it reminds me of being on the first tee at Cave Creek Golf Course. As I stand over <laughs> that ball, I don't know what's going to happen today. I know there's a chance that I could shoot maybe 78, 79, but I also know that there's a chance that I could shoot 92. And it's really frustrating because at the same time, I know it's within me, but I don't have the consistency. And I sort of relate that to your team. as has been a lot of... Uh, Exciting times, but some times that were disappointing, too. How do you find that consistency? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's a part of the process that we've been on, you know, taking over a team midseason, trying to change um, the mentality of the group and the way we want to go about doing things. And then we changed the formation um, because we didn't have certain players in certain positions and trying to get the most out of the players that we, that we had available. And so there's a lot of variables at play. Um, and 
you know, it's a lot easier when you have a six-week preseason and you know exactly what you're going to do and you're the same guy throughout the whole year. Um, but the one thing that is consistent, uh, DJ, is that you know you're going to finish the game the right way. Um, and that's what I'm most proud of. Um, however we started, whatever the scoreline is, you know with 10 minutes left, 15 minutes left, and this has been the common theme of this group, is that they're not going to give up and they still believe. Um, and I think it's that mentality and that consistency that actually saw us through to the playoffs. So you took the team from the uh, the four two three one into a three five two, and it led to wide open soccer. There were a lot of goals. Sometimes you gave up a lot of goals. Sometimes you scored a lot of goals. But man, it was up and down. It was exciting. What is the reaction when you go into the final game and you tell the guys, "Hey, we're switch. We're switching back. We're we're going to play four and back again." What well, what was the reaction from the players? Well, you know, I think it was interesting. I think the guys up front um, kind of. We're, we're kind of shocked because I think, again, we were creating a lot of great opportunities and, um, and, and they really enjoyed that part. The guys in the back, I think, had a different perspective, which is, you know, we've conceded seven goals in the last, in, in the last two games. And, right? and so I think for me, my job is to strike a balance and, and make sure that uh, I do what I think is best for the group. And given that we were so open, as, as, as you rightly mentioned, um, how, do we, how do we kind of tame it back a little bit yet allowing certain players like Albert to find pockets to get on the ball and, and Demir to do his thing. And, um, and I think the, the, the interesting thing was, I think it was our most professional, our most disciplined uh, performance um, that we've had and going back to a four. And so the ability to go from a three to a four that quickly um, after not have done it, again, speaks to volumes of the amount of focus and concentration that these guys had going into the last, the last game of the season. So you start November 23rd against Seattle. What are you going to do in the meantime with the team? Well, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a balance, right? I think you, if you start tactics too early, then uh, you lose it. So what, what, what I want to do is, you know, on, on Friday, just show a little bit of Seattle and maybe talk about the buildup and how they like to press and how we could build out from the back. And then um, on Tuesday, maybe talk about the, the, the way that uh, we want to press from the top and, and, and how they and how they want to build out. And so just slowly start dropping um, the tactical pieces that will be important so it's not all done in like a two-day span. And in the meantime, making sure that they're enjoying, the, 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 you know, the, coming out to training every day, which is a lot of small-sided stuff, um, a lot of competition stuff, um, because I think that's been the important part. We've been competing um, in training, and I think that uh, that's kind of carried over to the games, and that's an important aspect as well. Pablo Mastroeni joining us for Al Salt Lake's uh, interim manager. Of course, you're the interim manager because Freddie left for Seattle midseason, and now you draw Seattle. And when I heard that, when we realized how everything was breaking there the last day of the season on Decision Day, I thought of you, and I can't remember what game it was, but there was a goal, and you, the camera was on you, and you're doing, the, they got a, you know, there's the mic'd up segment on the broadcast. And so we see you lean your head back, look up at the sky, and scream, the universe! <laughs> and I thought, the universe has brought Freddie together with RSL. What, how much does that matter to the guys? Because obviously there were some guys, I think Rubio Rubin was the most outspoken, but there were some guys, man, that, that, was a, that was a shot upside the head when they heard the news he was leaving for an assistance job in Seattle midseason. Yeah, I think it's, Listen, I think it's, it was it was a tough situation for everyone, um, and, uh, including Freddie. Yeah, it was an easy an easy decision for him as well. Um, myself, I mean, it affected everyone, right? And uh, 
but but I think um, that that's the beauty of sport, and that's and that's how it works. And sometimes coaches get let go, sometimes they leave on their own. Um, but the onus is on those left behind to really pull together and and, and make it happen. And um, and so my challenge to the group was, you know, we can sit here and sulk and, and feel sorry for ourselves, but we all have to crack on because we all have lives to live. Um, and I think they all took that in stride. And and again, I think changing the formation to a three quickly kind of allowed us to separate from what we were doing um, in that time span. But it is it is crazy that 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 we're we're you know we're in Seattle and Freddie was Freddie sent a text over to the staff after after our game. Um, that was nice. And and so. It'll be it'll be a great a great game, um, and obviously with with that side story in mind, I think uh, you know it'll it'll make it that much more uh, interesting as as we embark on the the quest to beat Seattle in Seattle. I'm wondering if it's had actually a unifying effect when you combine what what happened there, and then also with the flux of the ownership situation, maybe us against the world type of mentality. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think one of the one of the things that has been, you know, tough tough on the guys is not knowing what's going to happen next year. Um, and and you know, just kind of reiterating, we're all in the same boat, myself included. Right. Um, you know, so I think that is yeah, PK. I think that is a unifying moment. Um, and and pulling together and and trying to empathize with these guys because they want to make plans for their futures as well. And um, but it's, it is, it, it galvanized the group. And, uh, I think that's a big part of, of, of the mentality is that we have to do this in here in this locker room because we don't know that anyone else's situation, but we know ours and we know what we want to achieve. And we know that we're all in the same boat. So let's do it together. Is it too obvious and you don't have to point it out or do you want to reiterate it because there are so many guys who can't help but think about, you know, where am I going to be living in January and February? It's not that far away. Uh, that everybody loves a winner and that getting into the playoffs increases all their value and advancing in the playoffs increases all of their value, not only to this club, but potentially to other clubs around the league as well. DJ, that's, that's what I've said from the beginning. I said that's the one, that's the one way to guarantee that you have a, a, a good situation for yourself next year um, is to win. Um, everyone loves winners, and everyone wants a little bit of that magic that's happening in that locker room um, with them. And so that's been a rallying cry from the beginning, especially when um, you know I took over. Um, and, and again, I knew less about people's contractual situations than Freddie did. So um, that was definitely a rallying cry and something that uh, that's really motivated this group for sure. So when you were playing high school soccer for Thunderbird, did you ever play that perennial power cactus high school? You know, PK, at that time, cactus, yeah, yeah, we did. We did play cactus, but I don't know that they, uh, maybe they were actually. Yeah, probably my freshman and sophomore year, they were they were powerhouses. Yeah, you're right. That's the reason why I bring you're that right. up. Their coach, a man named Jack Aldersitz, was the best man at my wedding. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a small world. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I, uh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, small world. Wow. He was married to my sister and he was, wow. he was my mentor. He was, he's 10 years older than me, a little bit more, but he was the one guy who got me on the path to where I am today. Without him, I'm not even anywhere close to where I am right now. He was, he was my guy. And he died uh, at 58, way, way, way too young. But he started 
basically is viewed as the godfather of high school soccer in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah, because yeah. he got it as a sanctioned sport. I remember being at Cactus at the first game, and uh, it was wow. it was a, just a memorable experience because he played soccer back in New Jersey at Glassboro State, which is now Rowan. It's a sore subject. Uh, some guy donated a bunch of money, and they changed the name. And so... He came out west as as our family did, and he started soccer uh, in high school for Arizona. Okay. So he's kind of a, kind of a uh, uh, a forefather for what you were able to accomplish just a, just a few years later. It's amazing, it's, and it's amazing how much it's grown. Because I remember at that time, soccer was just kind of a, a, a whatever sport. And then, but, we, but when we, I, now that you say that about cactus, I remember going there, and they had a packed crowd my first my freshman year. Um, and at that time, I had a broken arm, so I didn't really play. Um, but but I remember the impact. Yeah, I remember that. And as as years went on, obviously, even in, at Thunderbird, my my senior year, we had probably a couple a couple hundred, close to you know five hundred people coming to our games. And so, just to see the growth over the years has been been amazing. Yeah, for sure. The press box is actually the field because they play football there too. But when it's uh, soccer, right. the field is named after him. Huh. So Pablo, not only did you go to the same high school as PK, but fortunately, then your you know your paths diverged. And while he went to Northern Arizona and ASU, you went to NC State. So were you channeling Jim Valvano when you were running up and down the sideline after the goal? Because I couldn't help but think about Valvano in the pit. <laughs> uh, well, my 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 coach uh, George Tarantini was really good friends with uh, George Valvano uh, or Jimmy Valvano. Sorry, um, and. Uh, yeah, I think they were kind of one and the same. And and now that you say that, it, it evokes that memory of my my uh, my college coach running down the sidelines when we scored a goal like that. Um, but that's funny. Yeah, I, I just kind of went blank. I didn't know, what, you know, because at, on the sidelines there we have uh, Theron, who, who's our our head trainer. He's oh, he's the countdown, you know. So when when injury injury time, he'll give you two minutes, uh, minute and a half, one minute. <laughs> 30 seconds. And so we got to 30 seconds. And after 30 seconds, it goes radio silent. There's no more like 10, 9. So it goes 30 seconds. And I'm watching. I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we still have a chance. The ball's over here. We still have a chance. And then the ball goes in. And I'm like, oh, my God. The last thing I remember was 30 seconds. And I'm like, there, there can't be much time. And then I go over to the fourth official after the, the, the craziness. And he says, yeah, there's 15 seconds left. And I was like, oh, my God. But, however, with that moment where I kind of lost consciousness and I went running down and I grabbed that ball, uh, the, the fourth official, like, whispered. It was like there was pandemonium, and I'm grabbing this ball off the stand there, and there's, like, a whisper, set, and he says, Pablo, don't do anything stupid with that ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of look at because like I had a feeling of just wanting to punt this thing out of the stadium, you know, like like childhood, like ah, just let's let's like let's celebrate. And I heard this whisper, and so I put it back down, and it was just. A really, really interesting moment for sure. Well, and gosh, if you're doing that to get in, I want to see if you should if you should win the whole thing. It's going to be berserk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows what happens if that would be the case. Uh, well, Pablo, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you got a little downtime for the guys who played five, Demir and Albert playing five games in 16 days, so a little downtime for them. And then uh, the 23rd, RSL at Seattle to open the playoffs, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing Freddie again, plus Garth Lagerway and Craig Weibel. It's a lot of RSL alumni working up in Seattle now. 
Yeah, it should be fun. There's Pablo Mastroeni, interim head coach for RSL. When we come back, Joe Ingles with PK and I next. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, we were just talking about your win over Atlanta and how it didn't seem like anyone did anything extraordinary. Everyone kind of did what they do, <laughs> and sure enough, that was good for a double-digit win. Is that how you see it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... First off, uh, and Coach kind of said it right after, like it's hard to, to beat the same team twice in a row in, in a short period of time. So um, they were coming off a back-to-back last night, or it was the second game of a back-to-back. Um, I think they lost the night before as well. And, and obviously, uh, you know, at that point, and, and I think they had a couple guys out as well, um, and usually teams... In those situations, kind of find that little bit of energy, or there's some guys that don't play that that get to get a chance to play um, and and bring some energy. And so obviously we were we were ready for kind of what what they were going to um, kind of throw at us. And um, obviously Kevin Herder had a good game. Obviously he's um, oh, he's come off the bench I think all this year and. That's a perfect example. A guy gets to start, and he gets, obviously takes advantage of it. But I think overall, um, yeah, just getting back to us a little bit after the last couple of games, and um, yeah, it was a it, it was a good game to obviously first out be at home again, and, and obviously get a, a decent win and, and build off that for tomorrow. I think. So you can go Jokic on Morris on one player in the NBA. Who would it be? No comment. <laughs> Patty Mills. No, 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 no come on. That's your best buddy. That doesn't count. You're no. not running over your best. No, buddy. I would. Uh, I would never do that. That was. It was. Uh, it was interesting. I've, I've never seen him react like that. So obviously, either some stuff was going on in the game. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the clip of it. Um, 
I bet, yeah, he's probably feels like he gets beat up most games down in the block as well and guys play physical with him and he probably was <laughs> enough is enough and he's going <laughs> to I think he said I think I saw his clip of the either the press conference or, or whatever it was and he obviously he actually said he felt bad but he was he, he'd said too he was just defending himself so um, yeah a bit too much in my mind I think he got suspended or he probably will get suspended yeah he got one but, game um, and he probably knew that and you kind of move on. Like I said, now someone in their team will will step in and probably play well, and he'll get a bit of a break. Come on, not LeBron, Westbrook, somebody. Come on. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) The list list would be too long. (laughs) Okay, that's better. Now I like it. There you go. I I wouldn't. No matter how mad I was, I don't think I'd ever react like that. So would you uh, you love to trash talk? Now this is this is uh, you know this is fresh information here. The next time you see one of those guys, is this out of bounds, or you, might you find a way to mention it? We play Miami pretty soon, I think, um, and I only know that because it's a day game and the kids are coming. <laughs> Saturday, the Miller had told uh, Renee had told Miller that they were coming to a game, so she's been talking about it for a few days now. So. Um, oh, I might mention it to uh, the Morris twin, but not in a uh, in a negative way. But have a bit of fun with it. I'm sure. Obviously, again with anything, you obviously hope he's all right first. And uh, I think someone said he was walking around locker room after, so um, I'm sure he'll be he'll be good to go. But yeah, obviously, if it comes up, it comes up. The league has been cracking down on drawing fouls and all that stuff. And there was a thing with, uh, I think it was Trey Young, and it looked like he hooked your arm and all that. And it looked like that was what they're trying to go against. Uh, What did you think of that? Did they give you an explanation? Because it seemed like that was the very thing that they're trying to eliminate. Yeah, I mean, I thought he clearly hooked my arm like there was no other way about it. But um I think in the in the past he he probably ninety eight percent probably would have been shooting or they would have given him free throws then, which is obviously more of the rule change. So I think obviously for them they've got to determine from my understanding of the rule is they've got to determine whether he kind of engages my arm and locks it up and then it is an offensive foul or if it is obviously what they thought last night that my arm either just got caught in there or whatever it was. Um, but obviously the free throw thing is the thing that um, it is getting taken away is the biggest difference in, in all of this. So, um, I mean, I, I think there was a stat or something I saw that all those players that usually shoot whatever, 8, 10, 12, 14 free throws a game is, is all down. Um, and, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's what they've wanted. Yeah. Um, whether it be free throws or, or whatever it is, but the the point of, yeah, not kind of manipulating the game, I guess, in not even in a negative way, but just uh, it's not necessarily the way we grew up playing basketball, right. like trying to find contact and, and get to the free throw line. Obviously, there was guys in the league that had found ways to, to do it and do it really well. Um and I like kind of like, like it's kind of like credit to them. Like why, if there's a rule that you can kind of manipulate and, and get 10 free throws off, why wouldn't you do that if you're playing the amount of minutes to, to do that? Um, 
it's free points and usually most guys are pretty good at free throws and um, so obviously that's the kind of the, the key behind it is just trying to I don't know if it like opens up the game more or whatever their kind of reasoning was but yeah just just more of I guess the, the biggest thing is it not being like a necessary like in my mind you, as a kid we didn't grow up doing that we right. would if you got fouled shooting you got fouled but if not then you just play <laughs> um, so it has been I, I think there's it's definitely been different and, and guys have been trying to like we, we've had our fair share of like thinking Donovan got fouled or thinking Rudy got fouled like whatever whoever it was at a certain time and, and they're letting stuff go so yeah as a as a team and as players you've just got to figure out how they're calling the game in a particular game and for the season and, and adjust and I think we've done a we've done a pretty good job I think Donovan's had like one offensive foul this year through it but, but apart from that I think we've been pretty good so, I don't I don't know if you're the perfect guy to ask this, but you're the one on our show, so I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, this offensive, you know, the whole way the game is being refereed, some people are saying, well, that's why three-point shooting is down. The Jazz numbers are, as a team have been way below. Uh, now, yours, you're shooting 43%. You're, you're basically just doing what you're doing, which is why you're not maybe the perfect guy to ask this. But the Jazz numbers are down. The numbers all across the league are down. Even the teams that are shooting it, pretty well at the top of the league stats aren't where teams at the top of the league stats are. And people have said it's the new ball. People have said it's the way the game is being refereed. It's definitely not the bloody ball. <laughs> All right. It's not the bloody ball. Uh, some people are saying it's just a couple weeks lighten up. When you look back in two or three weeks from now, the numbers will be back to normal. What do you think about that, given you're a guy who is pretty much shooting what he shot the last few years? Yeah, I mean... Um... I mean, I like. I think. I think I said it last. Like, I would never blame the ball or whatever refereeing or like if I felt like I wasn't shooting well or whatever it was, I would kind of with myself and and Bailey try and figure out like what am I doing wrong or am I not getting good shots or am I taking bad shots or like why is my percentage down um, for a month or for a week or or whatever it is. Um, I think there's some games that you. You might shoot bad in a game and it might just be like you just didn't... I mean, there's so many things like you didn't catch the ball right on one of them. You didn't, just didn't have that feeling. It's what what we go through. Is Sometimes you just don't have that like kind of like that touch of like how, how, how sometimes it feels like you're never going to miss and sometimes it feels like you can't kick it in the ocean. Like it's one of those things. Um, the refereeing... I don't think it plays a massive part because the rules are still like if you shoot a three and they land in your space or you get hit on the arm or the, like they kind of hit your body is like you're still getting shots for them. It, like the hooking rule and the, the they're the they're the kind of biggest rule changes I guess. So um, I mean I think for our team. We actually talked about it, or Coach talked about it the other day. Like, for us to have the record we're having, and I think we're up there still pretty high in, like, offensive rating in terms of how we're playing. We're still getting good shots. We're still moving the ball like we kind of usually do. There's, there's different times that we don't. There's different times that we will shoot better than others, obviously. But um, our, our shooting... Number, I think more mainly our three point percentage is down on what it was last year and, and probably previous years. But 
Um, the flip side of that, like we're still whatever our record is, and we're still playing reasonably well and winning games. Um, so it's like, oh, well, those for us, those numbers we feel like are going to even out eventually, um, whether it be sooner or later. Or, I think we, as a team, pride ourselves in in trying to get the best shot every time. And I think if we keep doing that, then obviously our percent we're going to get be getting open looks. And, and overall, we're a pretty good shooting team. If you look at our roster, so um, yeah, I mean we don't, we haven't kind of I guess dove into it that much. Coach will obviously bring it up at different times and, and talk about it and. Um, but yeah, I think over the course of a year, and even individuals like, I mean, JC is a good example, just because it's probably more of an obvious one. Like he's had a couple of bad shooting games. Like JC is not going to be like that all year. Like I would be so confident in saying that that he's his numbers will go to where they probably either usually are or or maybe better. And I mean, a part of it too. I think for our team is like JC was just the sixth man of the year. Like they're going to scout him. We were, we just had the best record. We like Donovan is done. Like guys are preparing for us. Guys are going to, teams are going to give us their best shot. Teams are going to prepare for JC because they saw what he did last year and, and what he did against certain teams and they're, they're going to be ready for him. So we've all gone through that as individuals and, and obviously as, as, as a team. So um, yeah, there's so many factors that kind of go into it but I think at the end of the day I think our numbers will always be give or take what they normally are because we do play the right way and we get good shots and we um, again will more 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 than not make those shots How long does it generally take for new teammates to assimilate and everybody's together knowing what they're going to do? Oh, It's always different um, obviously individuals sometimes take longer than others to, to pick up the whole concepts of, of how you're playing and I mean if you're moving around teams every year you, you it might even just be the wording of it. I think Hassan was saying to coach one day like what what we call channel they would call something else yeah. like it's just little things like that that and what they called channel might be another word that we use for something else so as in the heat of the moment he hears that word and he thinks we're doing something different it's just like Little little bits and pieces, and obviously, as you guys know, our game plan is pretty um, in depth, and the the wording is is different. <laughs> Coach prides himself on um, quirky words. Just <laughs> he, he even says part of it's like funny, so that we probably remember it better because it is like a funny word or or, or the way he'll explain it. But um, yeah, it always takes time, and uh, I mean, we're lucky we've only got really a couple new guys and um, they've been really good like Rudy Gay obviously has mainly been watching practice and, and being involved here and there but picking things up at practice and, and Hassan's obviously playing in the games Eric's playing in the game so you're picking up on the fly some of it but um, yeah we've we've been pretty good you can always obviously you always want to be a little bit tighter in something or, or understand something a bit better or, or whatever it is but um, yeah, we're, we're in a pretty good spot, and, and again, like I said, we're we're still winning games for the most part. Um, I mean, you lose to a pretty tough team in Miami, obviously Chicago and Chicago, and a, a young, kind of energetic um, team that came out on the front foot in Orlando that we was probably 
more our fault than them playing. Like we feel like if we'd done a couple more things here and there, we'd probably win that game. So, um, yeah, we we feel like we're in a pretty good spot all around. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. As a guy with a family, how excited do you get when you look at the schedule and see 9 out of 11 at home? You're going to be home with the kids until December. There's no long road trip. That's trips. the kids. Kids. I'm sorry, my Australian accent blows. <laughs> Not as good as you are. Um, you have a quality one, PK. Yes, very, very excited. Um, I think especially with having like a, whatever it was, six, seven-day trip, and then we were home for like 48 hours, and then we went on another week-long trip so um i mean obviously you guys know that my family is very very much higher on the priority list than anything else and just to be able to take them to school i just dropped Miller off at school then and, and be able to pick her up later and, and take her to swimming this afternoon and, and just be somewhat regular <laughs> try and be a a regular dad that does things for his kids obviously there for his kids it's not in another state or traveling or, or doing something with his, with, with work. So, um, yeah, be able to spend time with Jack and obviously be now with Renee back from the, the marathon and all that as well, just to be able to, to all be home at the same time and spend some time together. And, um, Renee's mum's in town. So for Renee to spend some time with her mum now and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very, uh, relaxing. Ah, so the grandma has come. Is that the first time to see? Well, he's not a new. He's still a newborn to an extent, but uh, what about a year? Yeah, a newborn that turns one next week. Yeah. Um, yes, first time um, of her. Well, him meeting anyone. <laughs> he's lived a pretty sheltered life this last year. Um, but even yeah, obviously for Jack to to meet her and, and obviously her to spend time with her, but for Renee to see him, it's been two and a half years since she saw her mum, which is um, pretty yeah, hard. So, that long, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, the last time, this is a, probably the perfect example, but the last time she saw the twins, Jacob was nonverbal. And Jacob's ah. at a level now that, like, he speaks better than we do. Can't get him to <laughs> shut up now. He's, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> shut up. He's like uh, you on the court. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like for her to hear his voice for the first time and um, like be able to ask her for things and, and talk to her, it's obviously a pretty emotional thing for her as well to, to be able to see that. But that just kind of shows you how how long it's been. And obviously we understand it's the world we live in and there's a lot of people probably going through that as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's been, Miller was pretty excited. Miller and her are, are very close and um so it's been good. She's been here for oh, coming up ten days now. She leaves on leaves this weekend. So um, yeah, that's uh, it's good. But then Renee's heading back as well. Renee will get the summer there for. She's going to go home for like four or five weeks after Christmas to see everybody else and let Jack meet the family and all the borders in Australia have started to open up. So um, life's getting to somewhat normal again. So Renee and the kids are going. They are. They're leaving me. So I'll be uh, I'll be extremely miserable for about four, <laughs> four or five weeks. So if anyone uh, wants to try and question me, that's why, and they can. I won't say the words I want to say, but um, so you'll be yeah, grouchier gonna, than normal. I will be <laughs> on some days. The first night I'll have a really good sleep and it'll be really exciting, and then I'll get over it after that. Um, but yeah, it's 
they're going to go just after Christmas. So we'll obviously have Christmas together because that was a bit of a non-negotiable. And Renee obviously understands that I want to have Christmas with the kids and obviously Jack's, Jack's first Christmas. Um, but then, yeah, a couple of days after that, they'll head home and it's summer in Australia then as well. And um, I mean, it's as bad as it will be for me they, they need to go home they need to see family they need to see friends and cousins and Renee's brother's got one and a half year old twins that we've never met and um, a lot a lot's changed in two and a half years since the last time we were able to go home so it'd be, so, it'd be good for her to get back and, and see everybody twins run in the family then huh yeah it's kind of disgusting isn't it <laughs> um, yeah her brother had uh, little twin girls. Obviously, we've got twins. Her aunties are twins. Her aunties are the twins had twins. <laughs> um, so her, Renee's actually got a younger sister that probably isn't exactly ready to have kids right now, but uh, is scared of the fact of <laughs> that two, two, two out of two of the siblings have had twins, and she's the third. And um, yeah, it's good times. Busy, busy, busy times when we go home. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, that's all That's all out there in January. You're, you're, you're home with the kids for a few weeks now, so you can soak that up, and Jazz fans are looking forward to going to a bunch of home games. That is true. I'll probably, by the time that comes around them going home, I'll probably be ready for them to leave. But then <laughs> 24 hours later, I'll be, I'll be the grumpy guy that you mentioned, grouchy or whatever you said. Yeah, gr- grouchy. Yeah, got it. I'll just come to you. Make sure uh, you guys have dinner cooked for me and stuff. Oh, easy. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. We'll have you I've already told my teammates and all the Miller School friends' parents that any night that they want, want to have me over for dinner, I'll be more than happy to, uh, <laughs> to come over. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. There is Joe Ingalls. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.